The Spiritual Scientist podcast is joined today by Gigi Young. And Gigi is a, an intuitive, a spiritual teacher, a YouTuber, and as we were just joking, an e-celebrity, just like me, you know, big e-celebrities. We've got to, we've got to stay connected. Um, there are some gremlins working in the background here around audio and stuff. We don't want to name these gremlins that they shouldn't be named. <laughs> or perhaps they should be, Gigi, you can correct me on that. Well, listen, yes. Ar- Aramon was trying to actually disrupt the podcast today, but we yeah. persevered. Yeah, yes. we, we, the forces of good have, have uh, won again. But Gigi, thank you very, very much for joining me. It's great to have you here and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, now, I discovered your, when I first came across your videos, um, one of the first ones I saw was actually really funny. And it was the humor that actually me in I, I didn't quite get your humor at first and then it because it was quite <laughs> it was quite subtle and uh it took me a little while but it was actually a in your series in in plain sight series that you were doing and you were really looking into pop culture quite a lot and you did a a reaction video to the halftime super bowl performance let's start let's call it that for a start um by the weekend and it was like mm. one of those reaction videos and i don't i don't generally like those reaction videos but you did it in a really uh interesting way and it was actually really really funny and there's this moment where you said um there was these like priest robots <laughs> <laughs> and you you're like um sort of grooving along and and you said uh well, they're priest robots, but they've still got the moves. And anyway, it's a really um, enjoyable video. But um, I thought that might we might we might come back to that kind of thing because I am interested in your take on a lot of stuff that goes on in popular culture, not just being performances, but actually in a sense being rituals that we take part in. But um, I maybe we could go back a few steps, and I'd like to ask you just about your spiritual journey in general and how you ended up being where you're at today on as a youtuber and influencer or something yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um i was always interested in spiritual things and i always felt very drawn to it but I think in my earlier years being kind of a millennial um there wasn't a lot of information on it And so um, I I didn't really get too involved in it. I only could read what I could get. Um, And then later in my life, I was actually traveling and I was actually in Japan and I was pretty lonely. I didn't speak the language. I found the culture to be kind of strange. You know, I was only like like late teenager, early 20s or something. And um, I started to have all of these spiritual experiences. I started having visions. I started seeing very strange things and I could, you know, see people in the room. And obviously, you know, um, most people might think, oh, that's a schizophrenic break or something. But for me, it had it had meaning. And I was able to kind of um, feel it was very mysterious, but I could feel that it was kind of spiritually leading me somewhere. And uh, the weird thing about those experiences, though, was that they were very cosmic. <laughs> so I was out, I was out there reading books about like, you know, your angel and your spirit guide and all of this very new agey stuff. But then my my experiences were like, OK, there's this craft that's in the sky and it's flying above this very advanced city. Um, I think that this must be like an alien or a UFO kind of experience. And I really couldn't find anything that was like that. It was basically like the most material was this very watered down new age material that was like, you know, your spirit guide is a Native American and or or that, that kind of thing. And so my spirit guide wasn't a Native American. It, it, it was obviously this man in, in, in white robes, but they had this advanced technology, which was just was very bizarre. And so I thought that that was like an alien abduction encounter. I thought it was an alien experience. Um, and that drew me into the new age scene, specifically the kind of spiritual, <laughs> the spiritual cosmo, cosmic new age scene. 
And I was in that for a really long time, trying to make sense of my experiences and kind of got drawn into that. Um, And then um, it's kind of stopped. I guess it sort of wasn't really enough. Like I couldn't make a cosmology out of the new age material. You know, it was always just personal experiences, anecdotal stories, um, and sort of just um, pieces, which eventually wasn't enough to have like an actual system or an actual cosmology. And that's when a friend of mine said, you know, some of the things that you say sound like Rudolf Steiner. And I was like, oh, who's that? And they're like, well, this is, you know, it's a turn of the century mystic. And, you know, at the time, I think I was doing research into, you know, clairvoyantly seeing basically the eighth sphere. And, you know, they said, you know, why don't you look into Rudolf Steiner in the eighth sphere? And so I got some material. Um, They're all free, obviously, online, which is amazing. And um, I I was like, whoa, this is... (laughs) this is really hard to read, you know, because you you go into modern spiritualism and it's like, it's like pablum. A lot of it is based on what you want to hear um, and feeling good. You know, that's kind of like the modern spiritualism today. And this was something else. This was, you know, a, an actual uh, scientific explanation of other realms. And it was serious. And I was like, whoa, can I even handle that kind of intense, you know, there was, there was almost like a responsibility when reading it, like it, this is a very real, um, it had a realness to it. And so um, that was my beginning with uh, studying anthroposophy, but also a lot of earlier mysticism, which was when I really feel like I finally got my stride. So long story short, but, you know, that's about 12 years or something, you know, in there. So. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's always fascinating how, how people, you know, find Rudolf Steiner's work and how they come to it. It's interesting what you said there about this feeling of responsibility. Um, you know, Steiner often talks about that, that that it's not what he's, what he's writing about and speaking about isn't just, you know, dead knowledge that we can just pick up and have a bit of fun with and throw away kind of thing, that it's actually, if you do take it seriously, that it's actually a living it's a living knowledge that should change us actually, you know, do something to us, change, change us and, and the world in a way. So is that, is that kind of how you experienced it as well? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's, you can sense the kind of um, truth in it. And after you'd read something, it would be strange. I would read it and I'd feel like I didn't understand it. And I was like, is this because it's originally, you know, German and it's translated and it's, you know, from the turn of the century, you know, I, I wasn't sure if that's why it was, you know, the iambic pentameter wasn't the same kind of thing. Like it wasn't the same rhythm as normal. Um, and then I realized that even though I would read it, sometimes a week later, I would understand what it was and I'd go back and I'd read it again and I'd understand it. So it's almost like the first time I would read it, it would be like, I don't know if I understand this, but it's that living element in the teaching, in in the work that works upon you after you've stopped reading it. It works in your your kind of your system. And then a week later, you can have this epiphany and only something that's truly potent that really has that spirit in it can do that to you. It is possible. But the person has to be very, very, it has to be very potent. Um, and that's what I realized that was, which is very potent teachings. That when you hear that truth, it just works upon you because the truth is within you. And so when you hear it outside of you, then it it it, it will awaken you. But you have to have that really good stream. Yeah. Which is, te- which is alive. Yeah. Because truth is alive. It's a living, it's a living astral essence. Yeah. Mm, yeah and so how i'm really interested in this how did you bring together the oh can we just call it the alien stuff i don't know what to actually call it but this is (laughs) a thing (laughs) this is a thing where you know because there's a quite a few different 
uh, perspectives out there. You know, um, I've listened to quite a bit of Jay Dyer. I don't know if you know him. He's um, sort of looks into film and stuff like that. But there's the the Collins brothers invoke evoking the beyond. I haven't read it, but it's like a thousand pages or something. Wow. And you know, that's really saying it's just government conspiracy. It's just literally government propaganda to to change change the image of what a human being is and lead us to this different kind of future. And you've got, you know, the perspective of people who see it from a much more spiritual perspective. You've got people that see it from a purely materialistic perspective that it's another species from another, from another planet. They're coming to do this to humans, etc. So there's quite a few different perspectives and I've never quite, I've never really dived that deep into it, um, but I've never been able to quite marry it with anthroposophy, with what Steiner says, apart from possibly that there are aromantic elements at play, but I'm really not sure. So I don't know, can you help me and others? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the kind of phenomenon that we see that we think are extraterrestrial could really be many different things. And so I think one of the problems is, is we keep trying to classify like a light in the sky as being one thing. Oh, that's an extraterrestrial from basically the physical plane and another planet or, oh, that's an interdimensional or, oh, and, and really it could be many different things. I mean, it could be an elemental being, right? There are elementals um, that can appear as lights in the sky um, and that can look sort of take on a kind of human appearance, but there's something a little bit off about them because they're not human. They're like an elemental that's in a kingdom below human, right? So there could be an elemental aspect to this, which is certainly what the folklore of, you know, Great Britain would say. A lot of the things that happen with, um, that are attributed to sort of tricky fairies and things, you know, stealing babies even, things like changelings, that's very similar to the alien gray phenomenon, you know? Um, and so you look back and you see, well, a lot of these things were sort of um, supernatural phenomenon. They, they, they've been going on for actually a very long time and, you know, attributing that to supernatural, you know, that wasn't a superstitious thing. It's that there actually is realms beyond the physical plane that are full of life, that are full of different beings. Um, and then so you have the possibility of it being interdimensionals, of it being like an elemental, which is really connected to the earth, but interdimensionals could be coming from, for example, the eighth sphere, right? One of the most fascinating things about um, sort of these lower dark entities from the uh, eighth sphere, which is this sort of catch-all that's around the earth, as you probably know, in, in Rudolf Steiner's work is that Aramon actually rests the matter away from the earth. He actually, he actually creates the eight sphere and gives life to it, animates it by stealing the matter of the earth. And that's how he does that. So he kind of does this kind of um, transubstantiation where he takes the matter from the earth and he creates the eight sphere basically as a parasitic entity from us. And so these beings very well, could also be, especially the darker ones, beings that are outside of our evolutionary wave, outside of the life wave, that are trapped in the eighth sphere, that try to enter back into the life wave. They try to enter back into the earth. And they never really fully look human. They all There's always something a little off about them. They're always a chimera, or they're always some kind of human form like the gray, that's half deformed. Well, this is because they're outside of the life wave. They're outside of the evolutionary arc. And in anthroposophy, there is the idea, and also in theosophy and in, in mysticism in general, that you can have like the life wave that's evolving, but then there's also these essences that don't sort of make the initiation of the epoch. And they're sort of outside of the life wave, but they're always seeking to come back in it. And a lot of the things about these darker entities being parasitic is really about them wanting to enter back into this life wave because it's really their only evolutionary opportunity. 
that's how I see it. And the reason why they, they can physicalize is because, again, the eight sphere is literally the matter that's rested from the earth anyway. So there's no issue with planes, because if you have someone that's from Venus, if you have an entity that's from Venus, and we do know in anthroposophy that the spheres are populated, they have beings and then like there's there's Venusian beings, there's, you know, you 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 take a sojourn on Mars, you take a sojourn on Venus. And that Venus, it's kind of more like a plane, really. The planet, how I understand it actually, is that it's the planet really marks the plane in orbit. And but but if being actually is from another planetary sphere, um, that is of a different kind of matter. It's not of earth matter. So it's actually a different quality. It's not just a more rarefied matter. It's a different kind of matter. And so there's an issue, in my opinion, with actually having beings come from other spheres, the way that we think. I don't know if this is making sense. So what we're seeing, I think a lot of it is probably more connected to the eighth sphere and these beings that are outside evolution with rare occasions where we do get beings that are um, from other planetary spheres, but only at certain times for an evolutionary purpose. I don't, does that make sense at all? Yeah, I mean they're they're big they're big <laughs> pictures to try and grasp, but um, you know maybe one way to go with it is to ask, you know, what are they doing? What what's their task? Obviously, there's the the beings that want to draw physical matter into their sort of own sphere or create their own world in a way. Um, what are they? What are what are they all doing? And how can we? what are they to do with us in a sense like are they to help our evolution along because obviously you know we can think of dark the dark element and the the false light element if you like they have their role in in human evolution in a, in a sense we need them to yeah. to grow you know without without the darkness there can't be light etc but um so you know to ask you about what are they doing and how can we work with them or against them or whatever <laughs> that kind of question yeah one really interesting way to look at it that i've sort of come to be more favorable is that we've actually always interacted with these beings with beings of the darkness and beings of the light because there's always been people on the earth that are darker in that sense and that communicate with these beings it's something that people don't really like to talk about um but they've always sort of been present. I just think that it makes most sense to me that we're just labeling them as aliens because we've sunk so deeply into materialism that we think everything has to occur on the physical plane and we only want to see it as that. Um, and so I think that it's it's very, very likely that the government um, has, I don't want to flag your channel. so. We'll, we'll tread lightly, but I do think that there are certain, you know, crafts that are people think are aliens, but it's, it's definitely not. It's definitely ours. And I think that's very important in this conversation to say is this, that there's that element of manipulation, which gets to your question, which is, you know, what do they want? What are they doing? You know, um, and I think that there is a darker aspect that literally does serve Aramon, that does serve these darker forces. And I think there's a couple of things that are very interesting about how they tend to behave. So one thing is that they're actually very obsessed with genetics and genetic engineering. This seems to be something that this darker group or this darker aspect seems to be obsessed with. We see that today in modern times with what's going on. Um, and we also see it in the past with this idea that these Anunnaki or whatever came to the planet, you know, and they genetically modified humanity. And, you know, if you look at some of the most popular new age ideologies and ideologies in, in ufology, you see this completely what I would consider, you know, satanic ideology, which is that man was created by aliens. And so this is, you know, this is what I think is a completely harmonic idea. You have these alien scientists that are flying around in the solar system, seeding worlds and creating beings. 
And this is absolutely the externalization and the hypermaterialization of what we understand in anthroposophy and in the spiritual community as, you know, the transmigration of souls, which is a totally spiritual process of, of, of when you pass away, you know, your soul may take a, a life on another planet and it will come kind of come back around. And um, so there's the transmigration of souls, which can include lives on other worlds you know, this is making that completely materialistic and it's taking away the metamorphosis of the human being over extremely long periods of time uh, and saying, no, an alien did that. An alien is the reason why we've risen above the animal kingdom. So this is a very dark ideology, but people are absolutely fascinated by it. But I think it's the, I think it's a controlling ideology. And I think it's something that uh, we have to be very careful of. That was where I was hoping you went, actually, because um, for, for me, when I've heard that as well, and I think you articulate it really well, it's just like an enhanced Darwinism, really. It's just yes. a, an enhanced Darwinism. Okay, this high, more highly evolved beings on another planet came here, they did it, but it's still, it doesn't answer any of the cosmological questions. It doesn't answer the, the creator question it doesn't answer was there an agent at the beginning it's still just no big bang you know there was nothing now there's everything <laughs> you get away with that they still get away with it and i heard i think it was richard dawkins you know the arch sort of atheist said i, I think i can go with this um I, he said something like that he can i can go with this alien narrative it works for me <laughs> the materialists yeah yeah the, the the people they they for some reason that's it's their religious tenant. That's how I see it. It's, 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 um, it completely deprives the human being of connecting with their Christ essence inside their spiritual essence inside. It is, it's a mockery of it actually. And it's so tempting because so many people do believe in, in Darwinian evolution um and they believe in um a, a materialist scientific worldview um and for them i think that this is the most logical explanation and the reason being is because it is true that in our ancient past you know we had a very high civilizations you know we have atlantis Atlantis, which is what I figured that, which is I eventually realized that's what my my memory was, was not an alien, but it was actually Atlantis. <laughs> and that's why the high technology was there. And that's why everything looks like another world is because actually back in our ancient past in, in Atlantis, we had high technology. And we had an incredibly advanced civilization, even in Lemuria, we were of a different sort of essence, but we still were a different sort of civilization. And so we did have some visitations in that period with beings that were from other spheres. And I think that this is something that a lot of mystery schools really didn't want to talk about because it's so easy for this to get out of hand. But unfortunately, that's exactly what's happening is it's getting out of hand. And um, so we did sort of have periods where, you know, in anthroposophy in Lemuria and Atlantis, Rudolf Steiner talks about kind of walking amongst the gods, sort of, especially in Lemuria. Um, and then he also mentions that there were great initiates from Venus or angels from Venus. And in the Steiner work, I feel like that's where we begin with this whole topic is these beings that were able to at a certain time kind of descend into our realm but they weren't aliens you know they were just human beings um in a different developmental phase than us and, it, and in theosophy they say um these venusian angels brought manas or the mind energy and so there does appear to be in 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 the certainly in the eastern tradition it's very obvious but even in the western traditions we do see this kind of strange phenomenon in our history where apparently these angels from um, a different developmental plane have visited us, um, but not in ships. 
they didn't come necessarily in ships. This is not really what the heart of the of the story is. It's that at certain times the spheres overlap. And the difference is, is that once humanity gains their eye and become an individual, that no longer happens. So only when humanity is kind of in this infantile stage, which for us would be like Lemuria and the beginning of Atlantis, we sort of have this overlap with these higher beings. And they sort of over, they sort of um, train humanity. Do you, it's a very strange conversation and we have to be careful not to take things too literally, but there is that time in our past where we did interact with basically angelic humans. Um, and that's what all of this is really about. And there was also a period where um, a darker version of that ha perhaps happened and there maybe was some modification done. And that um, is of a lower stream, but it completely captivates people into this origin myth that we're talking about. It's a very long <laughs> sort of thing. I hope that I'm I'm trying to speed it along, but does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think you're doing a really good job because I I got the sense from your videos as well that you know it needs a lot of background. Yes. So you're, you're you're just skimming the surface, and I hopefully people will will be open minded enough to just put a little question mark next to all of this and then go and dive deeper if they want to. Um, yeah, I, there's something I wanted to clarify as well when I'm talking about Darwinism as such. Um, you know, I do think evolution is a reality. It's just what kind of evolution is it we're talking about and what people seem to do today a lot of the time is make everything purely material. And so I think you're right to mention that, you know, if we if we give up on the spiritual in any sense, even the soul world, the astral world, if we give up on anything to do with the human being being spiritual, being a spiritual being, then we lose a lot. And actually materialism the, as a worldview doesn't answer any of the questions that we desperately need answered. And it also doesn't add up logically if you follow it through philosophically as well. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that, but I think yeah. you're doing a very good job and it's very, very difficult what you're approaching there. Um, yeah. Where to next? Um, do you have anything more that you'd like to add? Yeah, on, yeah. on the Darwin thing, this has actually been a very contentious issue between um, mystics and people in the scientific community for a very long time, because um, in anthroposophy, there is a sense of evolution, but it's more like a metamorphosis over a very long period of time. And the human, the human form always evolves because of spiritual impulses. So the human being is directly interconnected with the earth and the sun and the whole cosmos and is the expression of the cosmos. That's one of the hermetic laws, actually. And we start dissolving away these hermetic laws, it becomes very psychologically and spiritually dangerous. You know, we are a microcosm of the cosmos of the macro. It, that was a law that we used to live by. And that gave us a sense of reason. And it wasn't even necessarily a spiritual thing. It was just something that allowed us to function. So what happens when all of these tenants are removed is we become eroded and stunted and we begin to accept things that are beneath us. Um, and so um, the scientism is something that's actually recent. It's a recent uh, development. Um, and so that's important to, I think, bring up as well. Um, and the other thing about Darwin, Darwinism, which I find really interesting and that I, I'll put out there, is that, you know, there was, if you look into going back to Lemuria, there, there is this account in ancient texts and Eastern texts, um, and certainly um, I know Theosophy talked about it, I, I, I think that Steiner may have talked about it, but there's this idea going back that there was a devolutionary phase in Lemuria where um, some of the population moved forward, but others actually fell into an ape-like form. 
And so in during that Lemurian age, there was actually this ape form that genuinely was created. Um, and it's very possible that that ape-like human form was raised or something, or that there is something with that. But it's very important to remember that there's also a risen line as well, or a line that was never modified or a line that was never connected with that. So I hope, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't <laughs> fully understand it because there's so much, there's so much behind it, but um yeah, and I think another thing Steiner said as well was that actually without the concept of evolution, anthroposophy couldn't really have arrived in the way it did either because we needed, humans needed to have actually developed, had that concept already. Um, it needed to be in the culture. So, and this isn't an anti-science thing. We're not talking anti-science here in a <laughs> sense. We're just talking about that, you know, anthroposophy or any kind of spiritual work can take the scientific worldview and and in a way amplify it or be its its um generous brother or something i don't know but yeah um so what do you think what do you think about where we're at at the moment i, I kind of wanted to get to that as well because i think all of this actually plays into where we're at humanity at the moment and um maybe that leads a little bit into the way you were in some of your videos, looking at popular culture and what's actually happening there that seems to be, it's almost like the occult rituals are, are now, yeah, taking place in the music videos. In um, We just, I had a, ran a group this morning. We were talking about a lot of very strange things in music videos these days, like the Katy Perry ones where she's, I can't say the word, but uh, she becomes food. Let's put it that way. Um. And there's a few of those around and, and then, you know, the way you went through that, uh, that video of the weekend at the Super Bowl, just looking at these occult ritual type stuff, you know, they had these, um, burn victim masks on and it was just absolutely crazy. Your reactions were really good. You said one thing that really made me laugh. Um, you said it was like the, the astral world, the lower astral world just threw up into the, into the, that, that really got me. Um, yeah. So anyway, long, long-winded question, but no, where, where are we at? Where are we at? No, that's where we are. We are at the point where the lower astral plane has basically thrown up in the world. Um, it feels that way though, doesn't it? It feels like we're in the upside down. It feels like things are getting stranger and stranger and stranger. Um, there's, you know, I keep going back to the eighth sphere when it comes to this. Um, I think I naturally have maybe more of a cosmological feel for things, but I think that if we understand the eight sphere in Steiner's work, we'll understand a lot of what's going on now, because how I see it is that the earth is actually kind of being more and more influenced by that eight sphere realm. And I feel like through a lot of the discordant technologies, so through basically living in like an electric soup of internet waves and everything, it's almost changing us as people. And I think it's bringing that eight sphere or that lower plane a lot closer. I think it's affecting us a lot more. So I think that there actually is a, ch a changing in a change in, um, consciousness to do with that. And I think part of these darker rituals using the anthroposophical view are to bring that eight sphere closer to us. And I think that that's very much part of what they're trying to do. Um, and how that works is basically through inversion. So you want to invert everything that you possibly can. You want to take a truth and you want to invert it. And so a lot, a lot of that, how that happens is through inversion um, and also things like humiliation, um, creating those kind of lower emotions and also obviously through um, certain kinds of sexual displays and things like that are also very much part of that whole um, really religious paradigm of 
what I would call the eight sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's just becoming more and more out there because I, I think ultimately we've lost that inner sense of ourself. Yeah. Okay. So it's becoming more and more present for us because we've lost something. Is there also a positive element to it? I mean, some people talk about the fact that it's like these, for want of better term, the dark things that exist in the cosmos in, you know, in ourselves as well. That's, I think it's important to mention, you know, in the earth that they've always been there in a sense. And it's almost like we're in a, in a period of revelation where things are actually being revealed. So yeah, just to put, you know, not to, not to put a new age positivity spin on everything, but is there a positive element to what's happening in the world? Yes, it is important to be balanced because it you can so easily just get weighed down by <laughs> thinking about the weekend's performance or whatever's going on at the Grammys. It's like, whoa. But yeah, the idea is that we see it and we face it head on. You know, and um, it just drives, you know, it it's a mirror of something that is within all of us. You know, we're looking at the shadow of society, you know, every era has a dark age and a light age. And when we fall into the darker age, um, you know, we see our own shadow and the world looks at its shadow and that's on purpose. That's so we can look at it and say, you know what, this is wrong, you know, not wrong because it's immoral, but, you know, just some idea of morality or taboo but this is wrong because it's actually very destructive and we have to go through and um, begin to go through that process. Um, And so um, the idea is that we, we face all of this sort of head on and we don't, we stay alert and we don't sleep on it and we don't avoid it, but we, the more that we face it head on, the better we are sort of thing but it it is it is a reflection of already what's in society otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't be here it wouldn't exist so when each when each one of us can take responsibility for our trauma and our pain and our shadow then that will lessen also what's in the world and it will also orient you to kind of where you need to be and the right people and the right places so that you can have sort of part of the world that's falling apart and going into this very harmonic transhumanist delusion, but maybe because you're doing your inner work and you're seeing it for what it is and you're facing it head on, you can actually be in a better position than you were 10 years ago, because you could be in part of in a community that's more meaningful. um, And you could be actually living in a much deeper way because you've seen so there's absolutely ways we can transform it in our own life. I, I don't know if it's possible to, you know, change the, you know, stop other people from doing what they want to do, but you can certainly arrange your life, you know, in so that you can um, uh, heal or, or, or turn inward from it at least. Mm. And do you see, so you you mentioned transhumanism in there. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar, know this concept that we need to merge with machines. We need to merge with the technology because this this old boring organic thing ain't yeah. going to make it. You know, yeah. passe. Um, yeah. So do you see that as a part of this same same drive that's occurring in the world? Oh, absolutely. It's it's absolutely um the pinnacle of i think this kind of harmonic essence is it's a complete mockery of truth and um you know transhumanism one way to look at it is basically you know it's sort of a way to live forever so then you don't have to understand any of the mysteries of the soul you know transformation and um you know, resurrection mysteries and all this kind of stuff. You don't know that you you don't need that. You can just, you know, hook yourself up to a machine and, you know, I don't know, like upload yourself into like the cube or something, you know, it's a complete mockery of very real spiritual processes. um, But they've turned it into like a scientific 
contraption, you know, you know, instead of um, the idea of ascension, it's a resurrection. It's like, no, you, you, you go into the cube. Like it, this is delusion. This is delusional. And we have people sitting up there and, you know, certain forums and things like that, that are, I mean, they're serious about it. This is, this is what they think. And they have more money than any you or I could probably ever imagine. And they have this sort of bizarre, you know, let's put a chip in, in, in your brain and then you'll be clairvoyant. And then you'll be able to tap into the Akashic records, the, the, the soul memory of the world. It's like, sir, that is a chip. That is not a clairvoyance. You know, like that's not, mm-hmm. you didn't earn that ability through, um, you know, healing yourself. That's a, that is a chip, sir. You know, so there, there, there is this kind of delusion where they think they can have these spiritual qualities um, through, through being a mach- making themselves a machine, um, which is, it's shocking actually how, popular it is i know it is it is absolutely shocking and i think you're right to say it's it's an inversion of the truth it's almost it's kind of like the truth but it's inside inside out upside down or something you know so this living forever which we possibly already do anyway uh you know but it's this turning it into a material thing basically it's like somebody read every mystical text they could possibly find and then interpreted it in the most literal scientific way possible. That is what, that, that is what transhumanism reads like to me is you had access to some really incredible spiritual literature, but you've translated it into being all about technology. That's what it feels like. Because all of these things are basically, you know, like the like the living forever, clairvoyance, you know, healing yourself, all, all that kind of stuff is stuff that we have the ability to do. And you could argue that it's part of our initiation as a soul to learn that, you know, to 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 gain mastership or gain these abilities. Um, so it's it's uh it's, it's strange. It's strange to see, you know, the richest people on the planet, you know, going for that when it's incredibly destructive ideology. Yeah. And they're so open about it, aren't they? Like, you know, you have um, Yuval Harari, is that his name? Sort of the philosopher behind the World Economic Forum, for example, probably have to be careful about what we say here, but, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, who just comes out openly and, and they say things like, won't it be great when we've all got the the chip in our brain or in our arm or whatever, and it'll we'll be able to just think of, you know, think of a packet of biscuits and they'll arrive at the door via an Amazon drone kind of thing. And they they're constantly talking about how amazing and great this is going to be. And we're are we all supposed to just go, yeah, fantastic. So what what's going on there with the kind of reveal that they're doing? Because it's just so it's it's all the stuff that conspiracy, so-called conspiracy theorists have been saying for 20 years is like now just being said out in the open. What's going on there? Oh, well, the conspiracy theorists were right. Um, And sometimes I wonder, you know, do they actually believe this? Like, is this something like, are they going to get a a chip? Are they going to, or is this just something that they're pitching to the, to the plebs? You know, sometimes I wonder that is like, are, are you actually, going to do that or is this just something that they want everyone else to have um and they don't sort of thing well, I, just, I, well just on that point i always think when they say okay you can you can own nothing and you'll be happy or you know you can live in a 15 minute city and never i want to say okay well you try it first um <laughs> you own nothing and, and see if you're happy first and then report back to us <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know what's going on with this yeah, do they actually believe it themselves? Is is it sort of a mind Jedi trick that they're just trying to put across to us, even though they don't really believe it? Don't know. This is this is the thing: is 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 it's hard to tell, or or or, or do they believe it? And but they're going to have another level of the technology. Like, do they also want to merge with technology? But they're when they merge with it, they're at the top level, and they get a different kind. You know, there's so many red flags with this. Um, 
and there's so many different things to consider. Um, but there's no question that it's, it's a way to control people. I mean, any freedom oriented society is not going to have brain chips and these, and, or any kind of interface with a machine that somebody else controls. That's just not a free society, uh, exclamation point period. And I think we have to have that sensibility. Um, and, um, I think that, I think that there's been a lot of plans in place that were written a long time ago. I think power works intergenerationally. And, um, I think that executing it is a very different thing though. And, you know, if you look at, um, Facebook owner, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse, that was a very expensive project time-wise for him, you know, and also financially. And it was the biggest failure imaginable. I mean, people were getting sick, you know, they were actually physically ill. So the, so the, so the eyes and the brain actually couldn't handle having these goggles on and seeing the cartoon characters everywhere. And, they were actually getting sick. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was really bizarre predatory things happening in metaverse. Um, and, uh, so it was a huge flop. And so I think there is the dream of transhumanism and there's the dream of the metaverse, but executing it is very different, <laughs> very, very different, which I think that they're probably going to find. And I think are finding, yeah. And so is all of that, you know, whether they know consciously what they're doing or, or they're doing it unconsciously. I mean, I think some of them are conscious and some of them possibly are not, but ultimately, would you say it's, it's, uh, inspired by particular beings? Yeah. I think that that whole ideology is very harmonic in the Steiner work that I think the, the idea of um, a virtual reality is something that Rudolf Steiner explained in regards to the eighth sphere and, uh, and Armand, the, the, the being who creates and sort of runs the eighth sphere. Um, it also has a lot of Luciferian elements to it as well. Um, so you have harmonic essences or spirits that could be within us and within the world that are you know, pushing this and also Luciferic entities that could be behind it as well. Um, and um, I really view it um, from an esoteric sense as a kind of possession, just to speak plainly. I do think that it can be viewed as a kind of possession um, by these forces. And I think it changes the personality. I think it makes you desire to do these things. Um, and that's what I would attribute it to. And what, what do we do about that? Well, I think educating, I think educating um, is really important about the spiritual reality that we all live in. So we, we, you know, there are other planes of existence and Part of the reason why this exists is because people just don't believe that there are, are other planes of existence. They just can't really get their head around it. And by default, that, that makes it very easy for these darker essences to kind of attach or come into our world because we're kind of unaware. So the first thing is, I think, um, educating people about other planes, about the spiritual reality that we live in. And then people can start taking responsibility for the aspects of themselves, their, their astral body. If you don't know that you have an astral body or an etheric body or an eye, if you don't know the actual structure of you, then it's gonna be very hard to really confront these esoteric ideologies and these esoteric concepts that absolutely govern the material plane. So the material plane is the result of the spiritual planes. And so there's no way of really get 
kind of controlling or changing anything unless we we are able to work on that spiritual level or be a, a little bit more aware on that spiritual level. Um, and thankfully, we've had some really great people that have left us a lot of clues. You know, we're not we're not walking around completely in the dark. Um, and um, I think, um, you know, obviously, Rudolf Steiner left us the threefold social order um, biodynamic gardening. This is one man alone. And then also spiritual science or anthroposophy. Right. So we do have the tools. They are there. But every individual has to reach the point where they start asking the questions to lead them to these things. And we all have that moment where we start to answer those questions or we have an experience and, you know, you never know when someone's going to come to that. It's like a miraculous thing. It's a holy thing when someone comes to that within themselves. So, yeah. And is that partly what you're doing and why you started your channel and the work that you do to help, help people? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's to, um, I guess, provide other people with the information that I wish I had um, and to get these discussions going and form community and just be a bulwark against or for, be a bulwark for what is um, healthy, you know, um, and that's definitely why I do what I do, probably why you do what you do. <laughs> and um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, Gigi, I think you do a really great job and have done a great service by bringing a lot of the anthroposophical concepts to a wider audience and bringing some of Steiner idea, Steiner's ideas and actually making him and his work a little more visible. And I, I've really appreciated that. And I know people who actually live around these parts in the southwest of the UK um, follow you quite closely and follow your work and also dark journalist who you've been on with quite a few times. And so um, it's much appreciated what you're doing and keep up the great work. And I just want to say uh, a big thank you for agreeing to come on and have a chat with me today. It's been a real pleasure. We could, I could keep going for hours and hours actually. So I'll have to have, I'll have, to have you back, um, but thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening to the Spiritual Scientist podcast. You can support us to continue creating the show by becoming a member on YouTube and receive lots of member benefits such as early release videos, member-only chat, and much, much more. Just go down to the bottom of the video where it says join and click on that button to find out more. If you prefer to become a member off YouTube, then you can go to uh, subscribestar.com slash mickyoung. That's subscribestar.com slash mickyoung. These links are also in the description to the video. And other ways to support the show are to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or simply like, share the video and comment on the video. And also, uh, at the time of recording, uh, I'm still actually offering a free spiritual development consultation with me personally. So if you're interested in that, just head over to spiritualscientist.org slash call. That's spiritualscientist.org slash call. And look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now.